Hey, good people. This is your N.I. Dom back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, discovery. That is my starting point. Discovery. The act of discovery, which I don't like that. The act of discovering, that doesn't make sense to me to use the word within the in the definition. Uh, so that's the definition that was given to me on the internet. So I could say the act of locating or the act of finding. Um, but I think when you say it that way, it presumes that I know what I'm, what it is that I'm looking for. I'm trying to locate a specific thing. I'm trying to find a specific, a specific thing. And I don't have that thing. I'm not aware of that thing. Now that thing may exist in my subconscious or my unconscious um, but I don't have access to it right now. I will say that I suspect, I, I sense that it's there. So it could be, it's an impression. You know, I talk about impressions as though someone was laying in the bed. They're no longer in the bed, but you see that they, their imprint was there. You, just, you know that they were there. So you know that there's a thing. I just don't know what the thing is. And so... I am going to, uh, I'm hitting this record button and I'm calling it discovery. Although I have a lot of randomness that's going through my head. A lot of randomness. I got two pages. I'm not even going to try to read to you a list because I actually don't have any, I don't have a list. I just have two pages of just notes and they're not, they're like written across the side, written across the top. You know, uh, it's just, there's a lot going on inside of me. And I'm going, I'm calling it discovery. Now I will say that I force myself, I force myself to take a look at these notes and to say, what are the main things? So I will give you some things that are coming up. Conflict, leadership, and INTJ8. Those are some main themes that capture the notes for the most part, but I'm not really sure. I don't know. I, I, my sense is that this impression is not about conflict. This impression is not about leadership. And it's not about INTJ8. It could be. I don't know. That's why we're going to discover it. <laughs> so don't know if we'll be able to do it in this reflection, but we're going to sure as hell try. Okay? <laughs> so anyway, that is my starting point. If you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ8. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist of about 30 years. Half of that time has been in leadership. Politically, I lean into tenets uh, around critical race feminism, and that basically means I have an intellectual sensitivity, and that's important, sensitivity to social constructs around power, such as race, class, gender, sexuality, just to name a few. This project is unedited and is unscripted. Let me say that again. This project is unedited and it is unscripted to know more about it or me. Please feel visit. Oh God, what is wrong today? Please feel free <laughs> to visit my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. It is unedited and it is unscripted. Okay, <laughs> so there you go.
So, all right, I um, I actually paused the paused the recording for about a, maybe two minutes um, because I was negotiating with myself. Um, I had an experience on Wednesday that I want to share with you all, and I was going to try to link that into this discussion. Um, I don't. I don't. I really think it deserves its own reflection, though. Although I really want to link it here, I want to tell you about it. So probably what's going to happen is going to come up. If it doesn't come up naturally, I will do a separate reflection for it, and I'll just tell you what it is right quick. Well, I, I can't tell you what it is, but it's around. Um, um, I walked away from that experience feeling seen, and I've heard that expression before. Like I feel so seen. I feel so sick, and I feel like I'm making a mockery out of it. And maybe that's how I felt in the past when people were like, I just feel so seen. I was like, what does that mean? You feel seen. But I had an experience on Wednesday that I literally felt seen <laughs> when I walked away from it. And just being like, not just understood, but that there's a space for me in the world. Like literally there's a space for me in the world. So We'll see if that comes up in this reflection. If it doesn't, I, I do want to come back and share that with you. So I had to push the pause button just to like see if I could make it fit, and I, I'm not. So let me tell you where we're going to start this reflection. I'm going to say something, and if you've been following the project, you'll know it's a big deal. Um, the job is no longer yummy. The job is no longer yummy. So I started a new job. If you are new, I started a new job um, three months ago, and um, I've been on a cloud nine, and I've been trying to be realistic with myself, like no job is perfect. In the beginning, people are going to present their best selves. You should have a good sense of what's going on in three months. As I got closer to the third, the, the third month mark, I was like, well, I've seen some not so many... I've seen some not so pretty moments in the um, in that organization, or excuse me, I've seen some not so pretty um, elements, excuse me, in that organization. But I'm like, yo, know, I I still can work work with this. This is still a cool ass job. And um, then I hit some friction. I talked about that friction last week. Um, and it move me to have some emotions that I've never had because I did, you know, had some emotions in front of my staff, not the whole staff, but um, the staff who kind of look like me. And um, so I, that's, that's important. You have to go back and listen to last week's reflection to understand why that's important because there's some racial um, elements here to that. Um, not just racial in terms of the event, but racial as it relates to my identity and how I have survived in the world. So I'm not going to go into that right now. But even hitting that moment last week didn't take away the yumminess. I still thought it was like, this is good. It's a good gig. And because here's why it's good. It's because I get to use my mind in a way that is natural. For the most part. I get to imagine. I get to plan. I get to analyze. I get to strategize. I even get a little bit, um, the TE gets some extroversion, but my extroversion is bound by these very concrete structures that allow me to just go out and then I can come back in. Amazing. I love it. 
I get to use my skills. We talked about this back at the, um, like May of this year. I said, I'm not going to take another job where I can't use 85% of my skills. It's using more than 85% of my skills. It's in the high 90s. Yeah. Yep. And that's awesome. To a point. Um, and it is allowing the eight part of me to, um, for me to be out and proud, if you will, as an eight, as it relates to leadership, my power, um, not my power, my relationship to power. And it gives me the platform to do that as a leader. So all of those things have made the job incredibly yummy. Um, but it's not yummy anymore. And so that's where I'm at today. And that's going to explain. That's. Well, let me say it this way. It's not yummy anymore. And then the next point is, does it need to be yummy? So what if it's not yummy anymore? Do I need the job to be yummy? Do I need it to be delicious? Do I need it to be? And um, I don't think that's the point of discovery. But I'm feeling that it has something to do with what I need to discover. The job is not yummy anymore. It's not terrible, though. It's concerning. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. It's concerning, but it's not terrible. And what does that mean? What does that ultimately mean? Do you have to have a job that's yummy? <laughs> so I can't, I don't know another way to explain it. Do you need to have a job that fulfills every fiber of your being? Okay. Something's coming up for me as I talk about trying to find it. I'm trying to translate yumminess. And what just came up for me was some literature around narcissists narcissists. And when you go into a relationship with a narcissist, initially a narcissist does a very good job of covering up his or her narcissism. And I'm talking about narcissism as in NPD, narcissistic personality disorder. So I'm talking about that narcissism. Um the the toxic narcissism. Um, and that's not redundant, by the way. So when you first meet a narcissist, they're never going to show you that narcissism up front. So what they do is they, they, they go through a lot of, um, they go through the motions of giving you, making you feel good, giving you what you want to form an attachment to them. Once that attachment is secure, they start showing you the real deal. And what's clever about it is that you're so invested in that relationship that once they start showing you the real deal and you don't like it, you keep trying to chase that fulfillment that they gave you. You keep trying to chase it. And what I, I read something once that talked about only people who have narcissistic tendencies can be attracted to a narcissist. That's interesting. If more people understood that, you would have fewer people out there running around calling other people narcissists. 
if you really understood how it worked, you wouldn't be calling out a narcissist because actually you would be talking about your damn self. I'm doing a lot of cussing today. Sorry, y'all. But that's probably, that's probably just whatever is on me right now that needs to be discovered. So my apologies, but I do have a disclaimer on this, um, podcast. Like it should show up explicit language. Although I don't, I'm not ridiculous with my language, but anyway, you have, there you have it. So, um, so what just popped in my head was, is that yummy? Was that yummy real? Or was that yummy projected out to cover up the shitty? I'm going to linger here for a little bit, you guys. Wasn't planning on it, but I'm going to linger here. So just bear with me for a second. I know that when I started a new job, people are going to give you their best selves. I'm not talking about that. People give you their best selves when you meet them. You go into a job, they give you the best part of the job. And now thinking about it, oh my gosh, just just a lot of this is a lot of stuff is popping up in my head. Because when they wrote the job description, they had it in their minds. Oh, I don't even want to say some of this. This is yeah. Okay, I am gonna say it. They had I believe, and I don't have this verified, but I suspect they had it in their mind that they were gonna get a person of color. I suspect that that's what they had in their mind. And because they suspected, expected, suspected that they were going to get a person of, well, because they were trying to get a person of color, they put in these additional components in protecting that person, like making, you know, making sure that person is, feels welcome, making sure that person feels accepted. So in the beginning, there was a lot of outpouring of that. Making sure I felt like I belonged. Make sure I felt like I was accepted. Make sure I felt like I was accepted. That's that's fine. I never talked about that as being my yummy, by the way. See, that's some F.E. stuff right there. F.E. as an extroverted feeling. That is not, when I have talked to you guys about it being yummy, it was not about feeling like I was accepted. It was not about feeling like I belonged. As a matter of, no, no. It was about me being able to use at least 85% of my skills and me being able to use those traits in me that are more conducive to leadership. As those, those, um, those, those eight traits, probably the INTJ, but let me just say those eight traits that I have that are conducive for leadership. By the way, I did a podcast, a YouTube reflection called Leadership, and I talk about having I don't know that if I'm a born leader, but I am born with some inherent traits that make me conducive for leadership. That I should be in leadership because of those inherent traits. But I don't know if I'm a, I'm a born leader. I don't know. I don't know if that, I'm a leader like that, but I do have inherent traits. Anyway, nonetheless. So. Um. Yeah, so that's what they did. They gutted out that position and they wanted to make sure that person was a woman of a person of color. They wanted that person to feel welcomed and like they belong. So when I came on board, there was a lot of outpouring of that. The good thing about 
this situation, I'm, now that I'm talking through it, is that that's not my yummy. Okay, we're going to park that. I'm going to come back to that, but let's park it for a second. What made the job yummy is that I was able to be myself. My, I was able to bring in, I already said my skills, right? But there's that cognition, me being strategic, me being analytical, me being able to develop, me being able to plan, me being able to problem solve. Like that is what makes it yummy. That's not what they were expecting. The people who wrote the job description, who helped to build the job description. Now, my boss has come to appreciate that because me, what I bring to the table is not something that she naturally has. So that's cool, right? She's not, we're not competing for that. But there's a caveat to this that I'm, that I'm discovering in the last, I'm going to say this week. And this is what makes it less yummy. So up until now, I haven't gotten any, I haven't gotten any resistance on the, my skill set. None. Because she needs those. I talked about this in another episode. I think I did another episode called Leadership this in the past month or two on this, on the podcast, not the YouTube channel. Now that I think about it. And I, and in that reflection, I talk about, um, I bring something cognitively to the table that she does it. Now she brings something to the table that I don't have as well, but, um, and so that's just been great. It's been great. So here is part. So that's that. So let me tell you what's not, what's, why it's not yummy anymore. Our, this is a kind of a kind of a continuation from last week. So I have a team of people, um, staff of color. And, um, we have, we're having conflict. Now, the good thing about this conflict that I'm excited about now, believe it or not, is that it now is a real thing. One of the one women, one woman, a black woman went over my head and contacted my supervisor about a decision I made this week. Now, on one level, that's, oh, that's annoying, right? But you know what I like about it? I was already getting the sense that she was not in my corner the way she was saying it. I'm going to support you as a black woman, but I don't, don't profess. I'm going to cuss again, y'all. Don't profess shit to me. I, I'm like this now, you know, I've kind of learned this in the world. When somebody comes and they profess a thing to you, watch them. Watch them. Now, you might be professing it. That is your ideal self. That is your higher self. That is your espoused self. And good for you for having a goal for yourself. Good for you. I'm proud of you. I'm glad. Reach for that higher self. But you don't have to tell me about it. Because more than likely, you're not going to be able to sustain that. And you want me to build a relationship with you based on your higher self, on your espoused self, on your the 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 reticized you versus the real you. And I don't have time for that. So <laughs> I'm gonna use some I'm gonna talk about some um 
some uh, scripture now that I've been cussing. And no no offense, spiritually, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be offensive, because, but I am going to give a scripture. Um, it's from the Christian sacred text, the Bible. And I don't know where it's at. I'm assuming it's the New Testament. And I believe it's in one of the Gospels. And I believe it was something Jesus said. I think it's red letter text. Red letter text would be anything that Jesus was quoted as saying. That everybody that says, Lord, Lord, they're not getting into heaven. Something to that effect. I'm going to have to go look it up because I don't want to be misrepresenting Jesus. (laughs) I don't want to misrepresent Jesus in my cousin self. I'm so sorry, y'all. Oh, Lord. If my followership drops because of this, I don't know why. Um, but everybody who says, Lord, Lord, not getting to heaven. Cause everybody who says, Lord, Lord, ain't really honoring that. I mean, that's not what they, they're not really prioritizing God or Lord. They're not. That's kind of the essence of that. It's they're espousing it. That's fine. And I don't want to get into the fact is that, you know, what would make them not get into heaven for, I, that's not my terrain. You have to go talk to a preacher or a pastor or a reverend for that. That is not my domain. But I remember saying, I told my grandmother this, you know, before she passed, years before she passed, so it's been a while. Everybody who says friend, friend, that ain't your friend. That ain't your friend. They want to be friends. They want to uplift it, but they're not that. That's not what it is. And I was telling somebody... Um, recently, and I think I offended them because they were talking about what God told them in a job and telling, you know, I guess that's conversations you would have between your supervisor and you. You would tell your supervisor what, what God told you. That doesn't make any, that doesn't make any sense to me. And I told her, it's, let me, let me clean this up. (laughs) I'm like I'm in a really bad rabbit hole right now. <laughs> I'm not saying it doesn't make any sense because I'm saying that God didn't tell you anything. That's not even what I'm talking about. I'm just saying even when you feel like you've heard from God, is it relevant for your supervisor to know that? What makes you hearing from God something that your supervisor needs to, need to hear? That's private. Now, if you want to go share that to a friend with a friend, a lover, even a coworker, but you sharing that with your supervisor, what is that about? Because that relationship that you have with your supervisor is about power, whether you like it or not. There's a power, power element. And what I feel when people bring Jesus to the table like that, what they're trying to do is stabilize or destabilize or restructure power. So what I told my, this friend of mine, who I haven't heard from her since I, since that conversation, we went and had breakfast to get to, uh, together. It was a new friendship, right? We're new. We're just getting to know each other. And um, I said, because I've talked about when I've interviewed people, and I said when I interview people, and they tell me that God told them to take this job, that is a that's one way that I will not discredit them from the job, but I'm like it. It makes me nervous. And so my, the lady was like, why? 
Why does that make you nervous? I said, well, because what you're doing is you're telling me you're putting Jesus on your side of the table and you're discrediting the Jesus on my side of the table that now God is on your side of the table. So, cause if God is on your side of the table and he told you that, then what does it mean about the God that's on my table, on my side of the table? And he didn't tell me that because I'm saying like, that's about power. Who has access to God, who has access to hear God, and who can leverage God? That's my opinion. Now, <laughs> so when coming out of that rabbit hole, um, so when this woman tells me, and oh, you know, we've been waiting for a black woman, we're here to support you, and blah, blah, blah. I, be- I believed it. I didn't have, because of, I, you go back and listen to my episode last week, because I get, there's a certain, there's a certain um, belief system, there's a certain set of politics, certain convictions that I have about people of color, particularly black women, that I'm going to give my allegiance to. And so what I'm wrestling, what I'm learning this week is I can have an allegiance to you and still keep myself safe while I'm with you. That my allegiance to you doesn't mean that I put myself in harm's way. But I didn't have that lesson before. I didn't have that lesson before this past week. And my allegiance to you is political. And it is organizational. I'm going to do what is in my power to keep you safe and to keep you um, in the organization. And here's the but. If your safety impedes your production, we've got a bigger problem. When you're safe, when, in order for you to be safe in this organization, that means you. We can't expect you to produce, and well, that's a big problem. But this is how they. This is how that group has been functioning because of my supervisor, because she's trying to learn this anti-racist work. She doesn't want to be called a racist. I get it. So they're they've not been managed. They've not really been supervised. They haven't. Whatever that means, right? Whatever your supervision philosophy is, it doesn't matter. They haven't had it. Literally, they haven't had it. So I kind of suspected this. This is when I, one of the things I learned in the past three months is very much similar to when I, they had me move in as a principal and this has happened to me a couple of times. The difference was last semester, it was a black man who did this to me. Before any other time, it's been a white person who's leveraged me like this. They put me in a place as a, posi- a principal because ultimately you have a group of black kids you don't know what to do with. That behaviorally, they're not, they're not behaving the way you need them to behave. So you put a black person in, in, in there to do the work. That's happened to me as a principal twice. Or excuse me, a school leader twice. And now going back when I was a professor or an an adjunct professor and my supervisor, who who I consider a friend, 
put me in a position because I had a student who had taken a class and failed it three times. And she was accusing, she was accusing um, the, the school of being racist. So they put me in that position as the instructor didn't tell me what I was dealing with. And she underperformed. She didn't do her work. So now I'm challenging her. She's not getting a pass. The, she's not passing the class. And I'm doing all that I need to do to document the situation. And then I find out at the end that that woman had taken that class three times. And they needed to see how she was going to respond. What would she say if they had a black woman, a, a, a black instructor? I was used and I didn't like it. And I think that's what has happened here. But we're going to make lemonade out of lemon. We're going to make lemonade out of lemons, right? I'm going to take the hit. If that means ultimately I can do some things in this job that I want to do. And there are some things in this job I want to do. And I'm, and if I can't do it, okay. Let me, let me, let me, let me just jump a little bit. So I've been paused again for a few minutes and I don't know where I left off. So I'm, I have the general sense of where I'm, I am in the conversation. I just don't know the last thing I said. So my apologies. Um, so I get into this position, um, and it, honestly, there were two positions. I think I told you guys this already. There were two positions. They were only approved to hire one. And I got some kind of hybrid position of the two. And I told my boss, I just said, I'm not able to, you're not getting two positions from me. You're not. You Even if you get a hybrid position, you're not going to get two positions out of me. Now, in a hybrid position, you might get a little bit of A and a little bit of B, but you're not going to get all of A and all of B because I, I just said it. No, I wrote an e email. I'm not magical. You're not getting that from me. So the good thing about the hybrid position is that I was able to create it and make it what I needed it to be. It worked out. It worked out. Except the people who wanted the B version of that job, they're upset. Because I'm lingering in the A version of that job a little more than they wanted. It's a little more than they wanted. Uh, they wanted me in the B version. And I'm lingering more in the A version. And so let me tell you what I mean. The A version is about the organization and its structures. The B version is around equity. Both of those are very important to me. And in most of my career, I've been able to do both of those simultaneously. That's why it wasn't a big deal for me. Okay, I'll do a, a hybrid version of that job. But what I'm realizing is that your, your brand of equity is not my brand of equity. It's not. 
And that's a conflict. And, and your brand of A is not my brand of A. That's the second conflict. And this is not from my supervisor right now. These are the people the um, that really were in, had invested time to create this position. And I feel bad for them. And one of the girls told me she has to grieve what she thought it was going to be. It's not. I'm sorry. I think a lot of that is because I'm an INTJ. I tried to explain that to her. But, you know, everybody don't have tr- trust in that system. And okay, that's fine. But little by little by little over three months, my experience with this particular woman um, has been pointing me, getting me to this place. It's taken a long time because she's been pretty much letting me know that what she is espousing when she says, oh, I'm, I'm a sports chess black woman is not what she's able to do. She's not able to do it. And t- Friday, she went over my head. Because of a decision I made. And now we don't, I don't have to theorize this woman anymore. I don't have to theorize the gap between what she's saying and what she's doing. And that's, that was part of the struggle because I felt guilty. Like, why, why am I feeling this way about this particular woman? That was part of the struggle. Now, if she went over my head because that's pretty nuclear. I always call that the nuclear option. You and my thing is you should have talked to me about it. But talking to me about something and and demanding that you get your way, those are two separate things. T- talking to me about going over my cuz if you would have said you're in Idom, that's not what they call me. But if she would say, you're in Idom, I believe strongly in this particular, um, in this particular decision, I'm believing X. And if you don't make the, the X decision, if you make a Y decision, I'm going to your supervisor. I can respect that. But that's not what you did. I'm talking to you about X. I'm trying to negotiate with you, build your buy-in. And you couldn't get, you couldn't get me to bend. Not completely. There's movement. I mean, I can, that's probably why. Cause I can show you, I did this, I did this, I did this to try to satisfy you until we hit the, a boundary. And I wasn't going to budge on that boundary because that's what the boundary is for. Everything else inside of that boundary, I was negotiating with you. You want that? Fine. You want that? Fine. Until you hit the boundary. So then you went to my you went to my boss. Okay. That doesn't that doesn't bother me. It makes I mean it's annoying. It's annoying. But honestly, I can do that. Now, because now the conflict is on the table. Now we are really clear about the conflict. We don't have to pretend anymore. And I'm still going to, I'm still going to function with integrity. I'm still going to function with integrity to make sure this woman stays safe. However, there are expectations around production. And I'm telling you, I've heard some really weird stuff in the last three months. 
how production is about white supremacy culture, about not putting things on their calendar just for the sake of staying busy. Um, it's just been bizarre to me. It's been very bizarre. And so I wrote, I did some research as well, some cursory research this morning around conflict. So she and I have different views about equity work. That's okay. That's not the end of the world for me. It's not. But it might be an, it might be more more problematic for her. So we don't we don't agree on um, we don't agree on priorities as that's what it, that's what we disagree. We have different priorities as it relates to equity. Okay. What she's doing with my priorities is now she's problematizing me. That's not okay. So instead of her just going, well, you know, we just have different priorities. She is making me the problem. Well, hell, if I have to experience that from you as a black woman, why do... My God. You mean you... That's what that's what it means to support me. You don't have to agree with me, but that's what it means to support me. That you're going to problematize me, and also and quote unquote supposed to do do experiences from whites. No, 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 no. That's not even that's no. That's so far from what I'm going to accept. So. And I got, I've got a running list of all of the negative things she said. She, you know, I don't even think she can help it. I just take the words. Like, do you under, like when we look at the, look at this word that you use? Look at this word. We've got about eight words that have a negative connotation. A negative connotation. I said, you said this. You could have said this word. Like, so let me give you. A, it's very subtle. Let me give you an example. The last thing she said is, you're rushing. You're rushing. X, Y, and Z. That's one way to say it. Another way of saying is, you're committed. You're, 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 um, you have an urgency. Right? Rushing and have an urgency are two, uh, uh, they speak to probably the same behavior, but they give different reasons. Another thing, you reacted. Well, you 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 react. I said, "Yep, you could say I reacted, or you could say I responded." Oh my God! There's a list of little subtle words like that, and so here's the this is the fascinating part about it. As as equity workers, as equity warriors, we understand how power is situated in vocabulary. Power shows up in vocabulary, and um. So this is the work you would do as an equity as an equity officer, if you will. You would look at the words that people choose to use. Now, that's some people don't like that, but that's that's fine. But according to our discipline around equity, like um, uh, like people who study language, power shows up in every fabric of our of our of the matrix of the social world. So anyway. So anyway, I'm not going to spend this whole time talking about this young lady because she's not really, she's not the problem. Here's the problem. And this is the part that's, nothing that this woman did makes the job less yummy. As a, No, it doesn't. Because you guys, and I talked about this, I said, the only thing about this job that I'm missing is that I don't get to fight. I don't get to bite. There's a part of me that likes that. 
Well, she just gave it to me. I would hate, I, I would prefer it not to be a black woman. That's very sad to me. But there you have it. There you have it, people. So anywho, um, but here's the problem. And this is the same situation when I've been asked to go into a space where there are black students. Usually there's someone has failed to do their damn job. And then you racialize the problem and then bring me in in a racialized context and you expect me to solve it. You have taken it, you have failed to do your job. Then a problem, you fail to do your job. A problem ensues. You then racialize the problem and then you racialize me to come in and fix it. That's the problem. Because there was no agenda, there was no structure in this organization, there was no accountability, no supervision, nothing, nothing. And then you bring me in as a black woman and I'm going to now oversee these black, these black women, these other, other women of color and get them into, no, 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 it's not going down like that. I'm not doing that. You're not going to use me for that. You're not going to use me for that. I'm very, I'm, I'm committed. I, now that is where I draw the line. You, you, that's your problem. You're going to have to solve that. And I told my supervisor this a couple of months ago, you hi, you hired these individuals, you've managed them, and now you've turned them over to me. And here's the thing, you didn't just turn them over to me. Now you are expecting me to do something you couldn't do. You're expecting me to get results through with them in a way that you failed to do. You failed to do that. And that is not cool. Now, I'm still, I'm still holding out as a part of me. They're still trying to hold out support of my my boss because this is just not her area. And I think any part of the problem, part of the problem, there are a couple of, is that that's some scary stuff. You don't, you, she didn't want to be considered a racist, and her management style is different. So you take her management style plus the fear of being called a racist, it produced that, and then you bring in somebody like me that's very structured. I'm very outcomes oriented as a leader. We're I'm a visionary. Where are we going? We're going over. We're, we're crossing the street. How are we going to get across the street? Oh, there's a car. This is how we're going to get it. There's a pothole. This is how we're going to get around it. Oh, somebody fell. Okay, this is how we're going to respond. But at the end of the day, everything we do is about getting across the street. And there are people who do not agree with us getting across the street. You do not agree with me trying to get us across the street. You guys know I'm in a metaphor right now. You do not agree that, uh, with us getting across the street. And now I'm the problem. Okay. That's part of it. And then the other part of it is that I think we're about to hit the place where we're going to see my leadership limited. Not because we're at a point now where my boss is upset with me and she's going to limit me. No, this is, this is, this is so important to the, the discovery conversation because of how expansive I am. I know this sounds really, when I talk about narcissism, right? Just listen to this because of how expansive I am. I have now expanded beyond the terrain of the position. 
She's got to limit that. That's within her right to do that. That's not personal about me. Well, it is, but that's not because she doesn't like me. It's not even because she doesn't respect me. It's because the position. I'm functioning beyond the position. I told her that uh, a month ago. I said, I'm a little bit nervous about this. I said, I don't think I should be functioning like this. Oh, no, no. Because I, 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 I was initially worried about stepping on her toes. I don't want to step on your toes. I don't want, because I was accused of wanting to, somebody thought I was trying to take her job or I was trying to take over. I don't want that woman's job. I genuinely don't want it. But just because I don't want her job doesn't mean, this is what's been interesting for me to discover for myself. I thought this is a perfect leadership position because I don't want that executive position. And I'm thinking mind over matter, right? I don't want that executive position. I'm going to be comfortable being second in command. That makes perfect sense to me. And here's where that breaks down. I am an executive leader. And I'm not, I'm, I am. And I don't care if next week I have to go in, be in somebody's kitchen, washing dishes. As a career, I'll do it in a minute. I, I will do that if I have to, to survive. Self-preservation is important to me. But it would not matter if I was in there washing dishes. I still have an executive leadership orientation because of those inherent traits that I have as an INTJ8. That's not going anywhere. One thing is the position Another thing is the job, and another thing would be my my wiring. And you cannot take that from me. You can take the job, you can take the position, but you cannot take my wiring. And I, that's something I have to know for myself. And I feel like I'm getting, I, I feel it, I'm getting into the discovery zone. I can feel it. That's the discovery. I feel like all year I've been struggling with this whole notion of executive leadership. I've done about four or five episodes about this, y'all. What the hell does that mean? What does that mean? I thought it meant go get out of the position, go to a next, go to the next level of leadership. But I suspect, because there's one other position that I want, I want to have before I retire. There is one position. At the executive level, uh, that that would, in my mind, be an executive level. But when you are a public servant, there is always going to be somebody over you. Hell, even if you are an, a CEO of a private organization, you always have to report to somebody. So I'm okay with that. But true to nature of being an INTJ, I want to report to somebody that I respect, who is smart who is strategic, and that's what I need. And I don't know how you would discover that. I don't know how you would apply for a job and understand that. Because you would assume that when a person gets to a particular position, they have the ability to strategize. At a particular, when they're in an executive level position, you would assume they have the ability to strategize and plan, mobilize, motivate, out of those qualities. And then I come to the table. You like those qualities. Which I'm loved. I love that she loves that I have that. 
until I don't, I step out of the lane. See, as long as those qualities help her directly, I think she's okay. The moment those qualities supersede her, it's going to be a problem. And I get it. I get it. That makes complete sense to me that it would be a problem. I get it. I genuinely get it. So now what? So what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? Um, I've, I had you guys on pause, um, but not because I was thinking, because I was cooking. I wanted to make sure I wasn't burning my food. <laughs> so what are we going to do now? Um, I think a lot of that is indicative of what I want to do next. Because strategically, you know, in a perfect world, uh, I would, in a perfect world, I would be able to leverage what I'm doing now for that next thing. But world, life isn't linear like that. And for anybody, but I think particularly for a black woman, it's not linear. It's definitely not linear. Um, so I don't think I want to talk about leveraging this job for what's next. I don't want to think like that anymore. I think that's a problem for me. Because then it puts too much on me to make this job be something uh, that I needed to be as opposed to being in the job to, and accepting it for what it is. Does that make sense? I need to accept this job for what it is, right? I still can use my skills. I still, I mean, okay, here it is. Oh, this is so good right here. While I was functioning because of the latitude that she was providing me, I was functioning at about 95 minimum of my skill set. And that was fine. And now we've hit the ceiling of me being able to function. Not the skill set, but the terrain, the terrain in which I can function. And that's what's interesting that I'm learning about myself. And this is so interesting. One of the things I had on, um, so being an INTJ8, so strategically that's related to the INTJ part of me. But the A part of me is expansive. It's intense and it is going to consume. And so once I am aware of a territory, I am not going to be self-contained in that territory. It won't now until until a ceiling is given, until a cap or boundaries are provided. But me and my natural state will not restrict myself. I'm not going to. I'm going to occupy the space to do the thing that I believe because it's about power. It really is about power. And as power is spread across a particular territory, I'm going to move about in that territory unless somebody puts a limit on me. <laughs> and she has. And not not in a not in a gross way or a but she has and that's fine. When I say it's fine, that's within her right to do so. But you can't access my talents at 95% with that restriction that you just put on me. And that might be a good thing. So when I started the reflection and I said, 
the job is not yummy anymore. And then the next part is like, does it need to be yummy? That's the point. Do I need to function at 95, 98%? I don't. I don't. Not for somebody else. Not as an employee. And maybe that's it. I keep saying this is it, right? Maybe this is the discovery. That when in May, when I made this vow to myself that I'm not going to be, I'm not going to take a job that uses less than 85% of my talents. Maybe the thing I need to say is you can't take a job where you're using over 90% of your talents. Like there's a small window. You can't not as a job, not, not when there's a supervisor over you. And I don't even know if it's a board. Like if a board was over me, I was, I had the same issue. And here's, I always come back to this in this way I don't want to come back to. Because I was thinking about when I was the executive director of a school and I reported to a board. And when I was just talking to you guys just 15 seconds ago, what hit me in my head was even in that situation, I had, I was not giving them 150%. That's not true. They they've got let's say they got one hundred and thirty percent from me. They got over, a, but they weren't going to get the two hundred percent that they got from me. There it is. Hot diggity! I keep getting closer, right? The two hundred percent that I was given when I was the uh, when I was the founder, when that organization was mine, as an entrepreneur, and as an entrepreneur, you're going to get that two hundred percent. So it doesn't matter what's next. It would, I shouldn't say it doesn't matter, but what it, what matters most is that I understand that while it is good, it is really good, it's more than good, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining, it is wonderful that I'm able to use 85% of my talents. It feels good to do that. What doesn't feel good is for me to go up too far above that. Not when somebody can dictate the my expansiveness when someone can restrict my expansiveness that's not you can't get all of me and it reminds me I'm going to start closing um, just because I feel like I don't know if I got to the place of discovery but I got to a, some kind of discovery and I feel good about this um so as I start closing um I remember um, when I was actually starting my school, I had had a job and I was a part-time, and I was a teacher and I was split across two different campuses and I liked it. And um, what was I going to say? I'm sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, and I had a supervisor who called me into her office. I know I told you guys this story already. Who called me into her office. And I was like, first of all, I was like, what is this about? And she didn't like that. She was like, well, I, my my guy friend who's this executive said that you're not supposed to ask me what it's about. If I ask you to come, you're supposed to just come. <laughs> I was like, well, if your, if your office was on the next floor or around the corner, that's fine, but your office is thirty-five minutes from my house. I think I'd like to know what the what the what the request is for me. <laughs> anyway, so I get there. We she finally she tells me 
I don't remember what she, I don't remember how, I don't know if I'm mixing stories, but anyway, she tells me that she, um, that, that she expected more from me. She was a black woman telling me she expected more. This is, I'm going to tell you, I, I love that you guys are here. I hit this record button and I have all kinds of discoveries. I really do. So she told me she expected more from me. And, um. And, uh, and I was like, what am I not doing my job? I'm giving you a hundred. Am I not giving you a hundred percent? I remember saying that exactly. I said, am I not giving you a hundred percent? And she said, yeah, but I feel like you have more to give. And you're not giving more. Like, I feel like she said, I feel like you have 150 to give. <laughs> and you're not giving 150. I was like, you're not going to get 150. That's not, I don't care. I don't get paid to give you 150%. It was bizarre. It was bizarre. And so, that's funny. It's funny. That is funny because she was bothered and I wasn't giving her 150%. But I knew then, no, you're not going to get 150% from me. But in that particular place, that was good. It was not difficult for me to understand because... I, um, because I wasn't giving, uh, I wasn't, um, given 85%. I wasn't using 85% of my talents. So it wasn't, it was not hard to negotiate. No, you're not getting 150%. But in a situation like this, where I'm given, I'm able to use all of my talents, not all, but a lot of them. I got confused for a minute. I got confused. So. I'm going to give this job my 150%. I don't have, you're not getting 200, baby. <laughs> you're not going to get 200, but I'm going to give you 150. Because at the end of the day, here's why. At the end of the day, I believe that this position can change lives for children. Now, if I hit a boundary and I cannot put systems in place for children, you won't get, they won't get 150%. And then they'll just get 100 and that's that's okay that's okay it is okay but as long as children are on the line are, are in the mix i'm going to do that 150 percent. they don't need to get 200 but those those they'll get 100 the, the kids are going to get more than 100 percent for me until i'm told i can't do it and then the self-preservation part of me will begin to negotiate how to calibrate accordingly. You guys watch this space. But what I hope to gain out of all of this is getting back to the entrepreneurial me. I think that I've talked about this in a number of ways, and I honestly believe this is a challenge for me. I believe I need to figure out what Nope, I already know what's getting in the way of me moving back into entrepreneurship. I'm going to have to figure out how to get beyond that. The, the, the thing that's getting in the way of me getting back into entrepreneurship, I'm going to have to confront that. So, because I, just because of my nature as an eight, my eight self will not never, ever, ever be satisfied with a container on top of me. With a lid over me. It just won't. I'm just not built that way. I will never be satisfied with a lid over me. Never. 
So this is a good reflection because I've been able, I was able to reconcile a couple of things. I was able to reconcile that the other woman that, um, that I was, that I supervised, you know, her disappointment in me is because I'm not fulfilling, um, the equity role with the priorities that she has. I get that. That's not problematic for me. And I'm okay with her trying to advocate for what she wants. I get that. That's, that doesn't strike me. I'm not going to battle with her. And that's the part is not cool. And so while I don't mind the battle, I'm still driven by those convictions. I don't want to battle with her. And yes, it's because she's a black woman. If she was any, any other demographic, I might entertain it. But because she's a black woman, I'm not going to battle with her. I'm not. I'm not going to be consumed by her. That's not going to happen. But I'm not going to battle with her. I'm just not. And I'm at peace with that. But I am glad to know what I'm dealing with. So that's good. Um, I'm not upset with my boss for doing her job the way she sees fit. She's just not going to get me in a way that's not. Um conducive to my well-being you can you will not she will no longer be able to access 95% of my talents now you guys know I've been going between two percentages so when I start talking about 150 I'm talking about effort but you know what I mean the amount of sweat equity I put into a thing but um, when I say 90% 95% I'm talking about my gifts and my talents right she's not going to get that anymore She's not, she, she might get 90 because I can't help it. <laughs> she, but I, dang, I really believe I was pushing towards 98% of my talents. She's not going to get all of that. And maybe, maybe, maybe there's an intersect, there's intersection between my effort, my sweat, sweat equity and my talents, right? Maybe at a certain point with those lines, if you look at a line graph, those lines will cross and at that place of intersection is probably where I've been effort and talent and there needs to be a reduction maybe 90% is fine of my talent but then you're not you can't get you can't get 200% of my effort so I have to learn that I'm going to have to spend some time thinking about the the correlation and the distinctiveness between those two talents and time, if you will, time being effort. I want to spend. I'm probably going to come back and clarify this because that's where I'm at right now. But I need to close. I can feel that. That is really not a pulling back of my talents. It's probably going to be a pulling back of my time. We'll see. And I still think that there's a place where time and talent intersect. So a pulling back of my time will um, denote or denote a pulling back of my talent. We don't, I don't know. I'll process that. I'll process that after I'm done with this recording. So, so what have I discovered? (laughs) I've just discovered, I've discovered this time talent correlation in me. I've discovered the, my expansive nature and having to negotiate what I'm going to do as an employee 
versus what I'll do as an entrepreneur, that this isn't even about executive leadership. I think there's a component about this. Senior leadership versus executive leadership versus entrepreneurship. And so I'm in a senior level position. I've been functioning as an executive leader because my boss has invited me to do that until, and then that's fine. And then this week she started putting some limits on it. But then there's the other part. She didn't put it on and say, I'm limiting you. She put the limit on me by saying someone else did. That felt a little gross, right? She outsourced it. She outsourced that decision to put a limit on me because she didn't want to do it. So she outsourced it to somebody else. And that's dangerous. That's scary. But that's fine. So we're just going to push back from executive level functioning. I'm going to go back to senior. Um, I'm going to go back to senior level. And and this is what the, my my black female um, supervisee has been trying to say to me. She's like, "You're working over. You're overworking," and I would love to have those conversations with her. But but the, but these list these things that she keeps throwing daggers at me. I'm just like, "Yo, I can't do both of those, sweetie." <laughs> so it's been good. A good discovery of where I'm. I where I've been functioning, where I need to function. And I think ultimately I do need to pray and do whatever I need, whatever to get back to embracing the entrepreneurial side of me. Cause it's in me. I'm just not, there's a reason I don't want to do it. And I don't think I'm going to be at peace until I get back there. And I don't know when that's going to be. Cause I, I don't, I don't, the self-preservation part of me is really struggling with entrepreneurship. Is really struggling with that. So let me say this and I'm closing. I promise. I promise. I promise. Promise. So there's a strategy. There's a strategy that I um, conceptualized in 2018. And then it became really pronounced in 2020. And that is going to, I can't talk about that. That's really where I've been putting my energies, right? Once I can put that strategy in place, I'm probably going to be able to, I'll be able to get back into entrepreneurship once this other system is put in place that will satisfy the self-preservation part of me. More than likely, I just discovered that, right? I don't, I'm all in my native language right now. <laughs> just my native, my native register, right? I done put that back in place, <laughs> right? Anyway. I, I, that's funny to me. <laughs> you're probably like, and you're an educator. I'm code switching, baby. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I'm, I'm closing because I'm getting silly. Um, so yeah, there is this other system that I need that needs to be put in place for me to be able to do that entrepreneurship in a way that satisfies my, the self-preservation side of me. And so that's good. So there's been a lot of discovery here. It's not just one discovery, a lot. And I thank you guys for being here. If this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. That means like it. (laughs) If this conversation about um, different levels of leadership, senior level leadership, executive level leadership, entrepreneurial leadership, um, talking about the espousing of a thing, right? The espousing, the rhetoric of a conviction, as opposed to, as opposed to the, ooh, as opposed to the embodiment of that conviction. 
let's see, I think that, of course, there was a racial element here. Um, um, feeling like when you have an allegiance, it is not just the racial. For me, my allegiance is around race, right? But you can have an allegiance to other things, right? When you have an allegiance to a thing and then you're experiencing conflict with that thing, what do you do between the allegiance and the conflict? How do you work that out? It's not terrible. You just got to work it out. You just got to do some negotiating with yourself. First of all, figure out what that conflict's about. What is that allegiance about? Right? And I'm really excited that no matter what, you know, anyway. Um, I would say those are the three main things. Of course, I talked about the eight, um, the more than I talked about INTJ, but the expansiveness. So you guys, I did it. Remember I said the, the three things, conflict, leadership, and INTJ eight? I did it. That's what the, that's what happened in this reflection on discovery. So if, if you've had a conversation that related to any of those themes, would you please take this link and share with those participants? If my moving about has caused some randomness in you, I would love to hear it. You can find me on my website at urnidom.wordpress.com, on Twitter, urnidom1, Facebook, and YouTube at urnidom. Let me give you your assignment. I got to say this to you, and I, I'm afraid of falling into a rabbit hole, but as I pause to think about what your assignment was, what came up for me was conflict. Like, what conflict have you had around an allegiance? Like, what what do you have an allegiance to? And you've experienced conflict in that allegiance. And then I thought, you may not even know it. You may not know that you have an allegiance to something that you're experiencing conflict with. Or you may not know that you have an allegiance to something and that you have conflict. I know it sounds like I said the same thing. But one is you may you might be having conflict and you don't know that the conflict is because you have an allegiance. And or you can have an allegiance to something and not be aware that you're actually experiencing a conflict. But both of that, that sense of un, being unaware. And I've been looking into this thing called the Jahari window, you guys. Uh, that's where you see yourself uh, to at what point do you see yourself and other people see you so you see yourself and other people see you that's that's like this open consideration then you you see yourself in places that other people don't see you that's a private self or that's the facade self and then you uh don't see yourself in a way that other people do see you that's the uninformed self and then there's this place where we just don't know um, and then I was listening to a pot, the husband and wife team this morning, uh, some really good content, really, really, really good content around the differentiation between typology and personality. And um, and so what they were just talking about is typology just really should be help us to get to our better selves and help us to go into this unconscious area. Right. What helps you to get in that unknown space? And um, that's the real benefit of typology, not to be fixed, not to have an identity with it. <laughs> you all know why I do the as an identity, but you know, you have to go check out another episode as I've already processed that. So this idea of how do you even get into the unconscious to answer this question? And that's discovery, right? What is a discovery process that you would have to go through? to through in order to identify a space where there is both an allegiance and a conflict. 
The only way I think you can get there is to do some kind of discovery. Good luck with that, (laughs) y'all. You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back, be well. Bye.